Hello and welcome to the Right for Your Life podcast. I'm joined as ever by Donna Sorensen. Hello. Poet, copywriter, all round good egg. Oh, thank you. Um, and we're going to be talking today about, well, a number of things. But first of all, you're going to you're going to give us you're going to give us the lowdown. I think on um, on the current state of the poetry business. That's probably I'm, I'm probably giving that too grand an introduction, am I? Totally have. <laughs> well, I'm going to comment on an article that I read. Does that count? <laughs> that counts for me. Oh yeah. Um, no, I mean this is something which I was avoiding looking at the article, which was in the Guardian quite a few weeks ago now, but about the fact that, well, poetry is not drowning is what the headline said, um, swimming into new territory because, yeah, if you look at the figures for, for poetry publishing, it can be a little bit overwhelming how difficult it is to make money and for publishers to keep a throat and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, so I kind of avoided looking at it. But anyway, I did I did read it and um, it's, it's just, it's quite interesting because... You know what you were talking about, the difference between self-publishing and having a book or a novel or something published with a, you know, a, a, a reputable publisher. Oh, my God, I can't even say that word. Reputable. Re- oh, did I say it? Reputable. You weren't far off. I was talking about this just before we started recording. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Yeah, a reputable publisher. Um, that, you know, obviously more and more people are self-publishing and stuff like that. But it was just very interesting for me to see that, you know, the single poet collection, this is what they're talking about, that it's getting more and more difficult to sell those now out on the market and that people, poetry publishers and poets themselves are having to look at different ways and different ideas for how to get their, their poems out there. But it's, it's the same kind of idea, this thing about self-publishing. I think with poetry, this idea about having a, a collection, a single collection on your own, having it published with a publisher is still there's still something very special about it. And it's still, I don't know, it's very difficult to explain, isn't it? But it's its just something that you want. There is something special about being published still. I, 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 I completely agree. And it's, and it's why I was absolutely 100% uh, uh, going down the traditional route because I just, it was something I'd always wanted to do and it was special to me. And I, I understand and I've read an awful lot about all the arguments why um, self-publishing is um, um, a, a preferable option for lots of people, and that's totally fine. But for me, it, the idea of having a publishing house say to me, we love your book and we want to make it happen, and we want to make it to go, go into print, is special. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's something that you'll have forever. I think that's enough that you just have, you'll be able to, to have it as part of your life forever. And, you know, with poetry, there are so many different ways to get published. You, you start out submitting to journals. So, you know, you, you, if you're lucky, then you'll end up in there be journals that you are uh, physical things that you've got, which you've been published in. And that's amazing as well. But I don't know, still you're alongside other poets. Same with anthologies. And I think anthologies, uh, by all accounts, well, having read this article, seem to be one of the most popular um, ways to get poetry out there to people. I think it's the thing that people buy most. I'm not sure whether that's true, but it seems like um, anthologies are, are the most popular thing. So you know, you can. These are all ways to get to get work published. But this 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 kind of ideal of the single author collection um, is still something which a lot of people put a lot of stock into. But I think that's partly because 
a collection of poetry. It's not it's not a series of com- completely disparate pieces of work. A, a, a poetry collection, same as a short story collection, is it's a unified piece. It's as uni- to me, it's it's as unified a piece as a novel. I know that a novel has to make some kind of chronological or some kind of some kind of structural sense, but 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 a poetry collection and a short or a short story collection. It's the same thing for me. It's, it's still it's it's not a series of individual elements. It is a whole, and and you you don't get that when you have your work um, published in an anthology. Apart from it not actually being kind of yours, having that certain specialness, I suppose you don't have that that overarching unity that you get with with a with a real body of work. Absolutely, and you know I've I've been published in journals where it's it's free. Rain. You can you can write about whatever you want, and and then you know the submissions of just on any subject. And there are a lot of journals and anthologies, obviously, about a sing a specific thing. Like I bought a book for, for my dad recently for Father's Day, the poetry of birds, which had amazing amazing poems in it. But you know, then it's it's all about a specific thing, and your your poems are just tying into that. Mm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And when you start out, I don't know. I'm sure there are other poets listening to this when you start out writing right back at the, the you know very very start of, of, of the process you aren't thinking about a collection you're just thinking about each little bit of inspiration in each separate poem and it's really exciting that time when you're like you get to the stage where you've had stuff published and you're like oh actually you know hang on a minute I'm, I'm starting to get this a direction I'm starting to get a voice and I need to start tying it all together in a collection um and it's it's really it's hard work actually but it's really really fantastic um and i'm really really glad that i'm having a collection published and i have actually just found out that it's going to be published this summer already so it's 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 very exciting but i can see that you know i'm going to reach fewer people with my own collection than if i were were to you know be part of a new writer's anthology or spoken word events where I just I you know I didn't even have anything published but I was out there just just reading to people you know but you have to do those things too isn't that isn't that the case it's like I I've I feel like I've not been in a position to promote my novel anywhere near as much as I would have been if I hadn't have had children but I've still gone out and read in places it's I've still written blog posts and done this podcast trying my best to sort of spread the word yeah. You have all the same tools, I guess, as as a novelist. What you don't have, I don't think, is the uh, as, as as a poet is the kind of support of the major major publishers. Um, there are very few major publishers who are putting out poetry. I mean, we still have Faber and and, and places like that, I guess, but um, they don't. You know, you ne- well, basically, you never see. Um, you never walk into a, a bookstop, into a bookstop, a bookshop uh, like Waterstones, and see a huge display at the front for a poetry collection. It just doesn't happen. No, and in general, they take so few um, books of verse. Bookshops do tend, in general, have a very, very limited selection of poetry. I mean, that's maybe a bit harsh on some smaller independent bookshops, but it's, it is very, very difficult out there. It is. The, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't stop doing it. Think that's the thing about writing, isn't it? I mean, you just you have an urge, and I find that with poetry, I you know I just have so much of a desire to to write and to put poems together that I know that when my collection comes out, it's not going to make very much money, but it doesn't matter, you know. It's just 
being part of the whole process of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, com- I completely agree. I'm not in a too dissimilar position myself. Do you think if... If... Because I've never understood... I, I, I kind of don't get why poetry and short stories, perhaps more so short stories in a way, because poetry can be difficult to read, I guess. Um, but I've never understood why shorter fiction isn't massively, massively popular. I don't understand why the focus is always still on the novel, especially as our attention spans are getting smaller and smaller and people want quick bites of information. Um, no, that's true, actually. But well, you, my, 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 my question was going to be, do you think that if a poetry collection was given, and it doesn't matter who it's by, it could be by, I don't know, um, Sean O'Brien or Seamus Heaney, or it could be by an unknown self-published poet, much in the same way as E.L. James and Fifty Shades of Grey. Do you think if one collection of poetry was given the same kind of publicity in Wardstones and by whatever publisher uh, they had as, you know, a, a top ten novel bestseller? You know, it doesn't even be a top ten novel. You know, those sh- bloody books at the front of Wardstones. <laughs> if it had the same thing, do you think it would sell? I think it would sell, but I think there are always going to be massive swathes of, of of the population that would not ever go near poetry i mean the amount of people my, my friends as well that i've said to you know about poems and poetry and they're like oh you know oh, i don't i don't understand poems or i don't really get poetry and they've been frightened off it i think that it'd be very difficult to get people general normal people just so, to overcome that but we managed to get the entire population reading what is basically filth <laughs> but I mean that is not that hard to sell though is it well that's, that's I suppose erotic. I think that, that that kind of makes sense that you know people are like okay this is accessible and and rude and naughty and I shouldn't be reading it of course I want to read it are you talking about poetry now or <laughs> yeah my poetry no <laughs> um, yeah I, I, I don't I don't know it's very difficult I mean Seamus Heaney is what must be the biggest name out there the absolute biggest name out there and he draws people in like you wouldn't believe when he does events and you know he's just if you can get him involved in any kind of project it's, it's fantastic but you've I met him haven't you oh I have yeah you're talking about him like he's a stranger no me and famous Seamus <laughs> we are you know yeah we're tight what does we he call are. you <laughs> who are you <laughs> He, I do have a letter from him as well. What does it say? I can't tell you. The reason I can't tell you is because he said in it that it was um, sacrilegious what he was saying and, I, and the, the, I, if it ever got out, he'd be in trouble. Isn't that really exciting? <laughs> is, that, is that true? I assume that was a joke. No, it is absolutely true. What did he say? You have to tell us now. No, I can't because... It, no, I just can't tell you. What, what's going on? You've got a I secret letter from Shane Matini. <laughs> I invited him to to an event that I was organising, and I'll he bet wrote you did. Letter- <laughs> Don't it's not Fifty Shades of Grey or what's it? Or Fifty Shades of Seamus. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Anyway, he wrote something in it which was was just it, it wasn't that controversial, but it was it was about Ireland, and he said, you know, oh, I'll be in trouble if anyone ever finds out that I've written that. Oh, you get see now you're getting closer now 
to actually saying what it is. That does sound controversial. Well, it's, like, well, it's like, ask me three times and I, I, won't, I won't be able to resist. Come on, we, no, need, we, need, the, we need the page views and the subscribers. You know, let's, uh, this sounds like an exclusive. Well, I'm not, not going to break it this week. Maybe I'll tell you next week on next week's podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, getting back to what we were talking about. Famous Seamus, he sells, I've heard that he sells more poetry books than all other poets combined. I think I've stated that before on this podcast. Um, he should feel but, terrible about that. Well, I know. But he's such a nice fellow. He really is. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, it's still, you want to have a book out there and you have to be doing readings and you have to have this online presence. You have to be doing everything you can to, to sell it. But I think you just have to have in the back of your mind the understanding that, um, you know, it's you're not going to be famous famous and you're not going to be rich that's okay you do have to you do have to um well it's as i've said many times it's about um uh, reaching for the stars but expecting nothing you kind of you you should aim to be rich and famous and the most successful author in the world but you should expect it not to happen and be delighted if it does absolutely and from the other side of the coin in terms of the publishers, <clears throat> because this article it talks a lot about the fact that Salt, you know, it, they, the publishing mm. company announced they were no longer going to be doing single author collections. Um, you know, publishing companies, because as an author, you're always going to have the urge to write, so you're just going to write. And there'll always be ways for you to get your writing out there. You know, if you don't get something published, ultimately, nowadays, you can just self-publish, as we talked about. But I guess, what about publishers? Because publishers are people that, adore books and adore words and writing and want to be part of it and you know they they devote their life to it and they often don't make very much money you know but I think that's more worrying is is what's happening to to publishers and the ways that they are having to adapt to to you know falling sales drastically falling sales um and and a market which is is so different now to how it was a few years ago and are we going to be seeing less publishing companies and less you know, people devoted to books being able to make a living out of it. Well, the big ones are, are combating this by merging together, aren't they? Random yeah. Penguin. Um, random. But it's—I mean, this is a, this is this brings us onto this um, article by Tom Chalmers from Legend Press, the, the very the very publishing house that published my my own book, um, and it's it's I thought it was really I thought it was a really good article. I I know Tom. I met him uh, a number of times. And um, he's a really, a really interesting, a really interesting guy, really lovely bloke, and um, and he's been innovative. You know, he has this, this in in, in publishers' terms, fairly young publishing company, sort of seven or eight years old, and um, he just one day decided he was going to start a publishing company, and then four or five years later, we have the recession, and in his in his article, he's talking about um, about well the. The title of the post is "Book Industry: Stop Moaning and Be Creative," and and there is so much, so much negativity, so much moaning in the book industry, and um, and you know it's by everyone as well. I mean, people who are who are published are moaning about their publishers. People who are publishers are moaning about Amazon and the state of affairs. Self-publishers are still moaning at the entire publishing industry, even though they've chosen a different route and seem to be happy with it. And it's just this is a huge swirling cloud of negativity, and it's been the case for a little while now, and it kind of gets up my wick a little bit um, as well, and it clearly gets on Tom's nerves um, uh, to an extent because he's written this post, and he's basically saying that 
the entire industry, but particularly publishers, need to stop moaning about Amazon, need to stop moaning about Apple or Google or whatever it might be, um, and, and do something, do something different, do something creative. This is the situation that we're in now. There's no going back to 2007 where everything was slightly rosier, where there were where there was lots more money around, authors were paid bigger advances, people could take risks on 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 all kinds of things, um, and 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 it's, it's, we're not going back. That, that's not going to happen. The technology has changed. In fact, it's the, the technology hasn't changed. It's kind of it's happened to the industry at last, having kind of trounced uh, the music industry some years ago, and so this is happening. So you can either kind of moan about it and sit and do nothing. Or you can be creative and find ways, if not to thrive, then to to exist. I mean, that's kind of got to be the first aim. What can we do? What can we do that's different in this current situation, this current climate? What can we do that's creative that will help us exist? And you know, hopefully, long term, you will then go on to thrive as a well as a publisher, but also as an author and whatever it might be. Yeah, um, an interesting thing that he wrote in the article was that. Um, He'd been talking to some kind of shadow cabinet minister. They said that the creative industry actually was known to be one of the most conservative, mm. which I thought was really fascinating because you would obviously expect it to be groundbreakingly, you know, creative. <laughs> well, you would, but I mean, I used to work for a design company who, who uh, some of uh, you may know, I don't longer work for, and. Um, I was considered a social media guru, <laughs> and all all I've done is all I've ever done is sort of set up a blog, use Twitter, use Facebook a bit for my author site, Tumblr. I've just kind of used stuff. I'm in no way a guru. I mean, who is a guru for crying out loud? But um, I was the only person using these things. And you would think, hot hip design company, everyone's going to be on social media and doing all these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. No one was. It's incredibly conservative. People went came to work. They designed nice stuff wrote nice words, made nice websites, and then went home again and did other stuff because people had families and what have you. And it is creative people are conservative a lot of the time. They are not how you imagine. We're not all all kind of um, playing guitar on the street kind of... But it's also this this idea about the, the way that things have always been done. It's the same, you know, like with the whole ebook debate and or, or self-publishing all these kind of things you know where it it's not really elitism it's just this this ideal of something that people still want to aspire to and they still want to do it the proper way and and it's very difficult to overcome that isn't it yeah it is but there are some people who are doing it so for example tom at legend what he's got i think he's now got um, he has legend press but i think he has i think it's three thousand other businesses and, um, Three thousand. No, he has seven. But oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you got me. I was like, that man is amazing. He <laughs> would have to have three thousand absolutely rubbish businesses to only just be turning a profit or whatever. Um, he has. He, so what he's done is he's expanded. He's done different things. So Legend Press is Legend Press, and then there is he. They, they also um, run New Generation Publishing. Um, uh, which is a, a site for authors, and then he's set up I- IPR license, which is this licensing platform which provides information and stuff for for authors and independent authors and that kind of thing. So lots of fingers in lots of pies in order to kind of keep the one larger operation um, um, kind of successful. So he's, he's kind of just branched out, seen opportunities, and and done them. 
And then you have people like book, bookshops, which are like foils, which he mentions, which have kind of uh, uh, have, have used social media really well um, and got this kind of boutique kind of um, way of choosing books, but also selling them and you know, kind of just sort of making themselves different to Waterstones or different to Amazon, providing a different offer. Um, uh, and and you know there are there are sort of there are different ways of doing it. Some people are, are making um, uh, are, are choosing sort of to use, to use apps and that kind of thing, which is you know, you know mixed results. But you know at least you're doing something different. I mean I've I, I've got this idea which I haven't run past anyone yet. But I'm going to reveal it now. But I like I like the idea of um, of of, of uh, did I mention this a couple of weeks ago? I don't even know. But um, Angelica uncovered. So there is that. So the idea of a website that provides lots of background information to my book, but maybe even using um, iBooks author to create uh, like a, a, an exclusive extended version of the novel where you get the novel, just the text as it is, but you can click on certain elements of it and that will bring a little pop-up or whatever it might be, a little audio piece or video piece of me explaining what I was thinking or maybe a link to a photo which you know, or a map that I might have drawn while I was writing it, that kind of thing. And um, you, know, you can people might pay money for that if you love the book if you read it and liked it which i believe some people do then um you know you never know then some people want to might get the extra thing i mean i'm not saying it's the best idea in the world but it's the idea of thinking and doing something different which is what which is what tom's advocating as opposed to just sort of sitting on your ass and going well this is rubbish on amazon evil do you remember when we were kids i didn't know you no but uh usborne do you remember that they used to have people like it was just people, just people, wasn't it? Normal people that used to sell their books. Do you remember? Do you remember? Well, it's like, I remember, you know, I remember like cosmetics. Yeah, I'm I, pretty sure that it was the same kind of deal with Usborne. That it was just kind of a lot of them. I'm sure were mothers that were you know had young kids and you know went and, and sold books to books to their friends and book groups and things like that. Um, because uh, it was mentioned in this article that Barefoot have uh, have stopped trading with Amazon, mm. Barefoot Books, you know, the the children's publisher. Yeah. Um, and they and I because actually my mum, uh, one of or a few of her books are with Barefoot Books, so I know that she they they have ambassadors and different ways to kind of sell that's based on community and things like that, which I think is a really fascinating idea to go kind of go try to go back that way, you know, instead of, um, you know, just going along with Amazon because I mean you know a lot of people complain about the fact that they're killing bookshops and stuff I myself have also done it and then because I live abroad and it's easier for me to send books to people with Amazon I still use them yeah um so it is it is difficult but it's it's amazing that there are people out there that are finding ways to stand up to it well absolutely and, and uh, but even even that phrase and I know that you weren't sort of saying that for any particular reason but even the phrase standing up to it it it, imp- it implies that there is this giant wall of evil that's closing in on everyone and no standing up to the trend is all I mean because yeah. when I when I sit here and I'm like what should I get someone I'm going to get them a book I I would love to just be able to walk you know, down the road to my local bookshop and to just say, you know, oh, have you got this or can you order this in and blah, 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 you know, wrap it up nicely and give it to somebody. But because I live in a country where English is not the first language, books here cost three times as much. They have really, really limited selection. You just can't do that, you know. Mm. Um, so that is my excuse. And I'd like to think that if I was in the UK, I would I would still make an effort to, to support my local bookshops not amazon's fault they're just blooming amazing at, at, at doing what people want you know 
Well, it's a slight, slight, uh, there's, there's, there's truth in that. There is truth in that. People want books quickly. They want them quickly and they want them cheaply. And also this stuff about Amazon's marketplace, you know, where you don't even have to, you know, you've got different options there as well, you know. Mm. I mean, there is the whole thing about unfair pricing and all that kind of thing. But essentially, for a customer who gives a monkeys, you just want a cheap book, don't you? <sighs> yeah. Well, I say, I say you, I, I would pay extra if I thought that the price was unfair or something like that. But I'm not representing the general public who have every right to want the cheapest possible thing they can get. Yeah. Yeah. It is difficult because, you know, publishing companies are closing down. So it's, yeah. Indeed. And you're uh, just for, I mean, we've only got a few minutes left, but um, you're uh, looking at updating your, uh, this is kind of combining the two subjects. You're uh, you're about to launch your online profile, really. You've got your ludicrous Twitter account. (laughs) Yeah. With a handle that I can never remember that I can't get a handle on I am yeah I'm so I'm sitting here now because my book is coming out in in like uh, well in August actually um I am thinking oh my goodness I want to do a really amazing website and I need to to get started and I was sitting down and I was planning out what my website would look like and I was actually thinking about like what there's so many things that you want to do and that you could do online but actually what 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 do you really need? What's the bare bones? Because there's not a lot of things you need. I don't think, are there? No, you're right. Absolutely right. Um, and with things like videos, you know, about reading your own stuff, is is that something which should have its own importance on a website or should it be part of another kind of section? This is what I was wondering, you know, like with, with news, your website, mm. is it, would you call it a blog? Well, it is. I've changed my website and changed my opinion on these things a number of times. I mean, the blog used to be the most important thing. It was what it was what people come to my site mainly for, because generally people want to read something that they find useful to them, as opposed to find out about my book. That's fair enough. Um, but having the blog as my homepage, I found I just it seemed crazy that I got this book that had just come out and you had to find the link in the top right hand corner in order to know that I'd got a book. So I changed it. So my homepage is basically four different blocks of kind of the main projects I work on, one of which is the novel and then the link to the blog. Because people, uh, the, the individual articles are what people come to read. They don't come to read an entire blog. They come to read an individual post. So you yeah. can link people directly to those from Twitter. So having a blog as your homepage isn't necessarily the most important thing yeah but it's just i mean i'm just trying to get my head around this because it seems to me that actually if you, i'm not talking about you know kind of corporate websites and things like that but you know a website for a, a writer is actually just a blog it's it's not they're not two separate things or they shouldn't be two separate things necessarily anymore you know you're not going to have like the the traditional idea of a website where you've just got set kind of things yeah as opposed to a blog, which is constantly updated content. That's just the way that I've kind of... Yeah, but um, but also the technology has come on. So something like WordPress, you can do both. So my site runs on WordPress. You go to the homepage and you, you know, the blog isn't there. It's just, it's like, it's like you know, look, A's for Angelica. It's just like a, I think, as you describe it, like a static website. But actually, if you click on blog, you'll see that there's all this dynamic content and I am updating it regularly. And, you know, you don't, you don't have to choose between one or the other anymore. You can use something like WordPress, even something like Tumblr or, 
or Squarespace, then you know it's it's quite easy to have the best of both worlds. It depends on it depends on it depends on what you want, really. Yeah, absolutely. And then I was the thing I was actually thinking about was for me a really important part of of being a, a writer and a poet is is finding out about other people's work and finding great pieces of writing, great poems, and sharing them. Yeah, that, you know that is not just about my own writing, but that seems to me like that what that is going to be a really important part of my website. Actually, is kind of writing that inspires me and well, links that, other people's stuff. That's I mean, linking to other people's stuff is kind of the cornerstone of the entire internet, and and uh, and. And um, you know, it's partly why we've decided to do the this, the podcast and the way that we're doing it now is like choosing something we found interesting and telling people about it. It's just we're doing this, you know, we're linking stuff in an audio kind of way. Yeah. Um, um, I should have, I don't know if I say, but Tom Chalmers posts on Future Book. I think I may have actually forgot to mention that. All the all the links that we talked about will be in the show notes. Um, and um, and uh, I slightly completely lost my train of thought. But linking to other people, yes, it's cornerstone of the internet. And um, <laughs> and that you said something about that's why we decided to do podcast where we were. Well, that was where I went wrong. Oh no! And now we're back there. We're like in a in a black hole that we can't get out of. We are slightly, but um. Uh, so yes, uh, linking to other blogs. That's the cornerstone of the internet. And um, we're back there again. <laughs> uh, oh, I can't remember what I was going to say. No, but I mean this this is good. Obviously, you don't need much on a website. I, I do appreciate that, and you know you want you want to to have your book prominent you want to link to other people you want to say a bit about yourself you it's great to have video and obviously all this you know your social media but when you look at people's websites I mean for me you kind of go to people's websites writers websites to get a snapshot of what what they're about Mm. I mean yeah but it's not something you would necessarily visit all the time Yours is an exception because, you know, you're doing so many different projects and and, um, new content all the time. But I find most writers' websites are just kind of a place where you go to and you're like, this is this writer, this is kind of their world, and then you come out of it again. Don't you feel like that about writers' websites? Well, it is, and that's the the reason that people have a blog usually, is that it gives people a reason to come back to their website. So, you know, ideally someone would come back to my website because I'd written, written something else and we'd record another episode, so they came back for that. And you never know, one day they might actually click through and buy my book as well and find all the other stuff on my site so that's the whole point of having a blog really it's not the whole point but it's part of it is to get people coming back but this is what i mean then why why have a website at all um well you don't but but i I don't think they're two different things that's what i'm saying you don't need to have like there isn't like you either you either have a static content or you have a blog you can have do exactly what i do and many other people do is that you have you know because my site has a home page that that isn't a blog it has you know it's just blocks of blocks of content advertising my stuff and then i have an about page which isn't there's no blog there i have a page for the book i have a page for my mailing list and then i have a page which is my list of blog posts it's you don't there is no you can have this you can like i say you can have the best of both worlds <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm, I'm glad that's sorted. <laughs> that's totally sorted. I feel like it's all done, and I don't need to worry about anything. Well, you can uh, you can update us on your progress and let us know when uh, when it comes out. But for now, where can we find you on Twitter? Don underscore s underscore Sorensen. Sorensen with an e, two e's. No, yes. O r e n s e n. Yes. Um, and I am Ian Broom, I A I N B R O O M E on Twitter, and you can find my website 
um, at ianbroom.com. And, um, and that's it. Thank you, uh, Donna, once more. Yeah, thanks. And um, speak to you next week. Yeah, indeed. See ya. <laughs>